We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The Cleveland Cavaliers select Evan Mobley. It's been a historical franchise in this league for years. We have a trade to announce. The Boston Celtics select Jason Tatum. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the NBA front office show. Hope everybody had a wonderful weekend. We've got plenty going on in the world of the NBA. I'm Trevor Lane. You can find me on Twitter at Trevor underscore Lane over on Instagram at Trevor Lane NBA. Joined by Keith Smith. You can find him on Twitter at Keith Smith NBA. Keith, we got a lot to dive into. We're going to start this show with the Eastern Conference. Later on, we'll be getting to the West, but there's only one place we really can't start in the East, and that's... With the Simmons siren. <laughs> there it is, Simmons siren time. You guys know you love it. The Simmons siren. We did get a bit of news today regarding Ben Simmons and his whole situation, and perhaps James Harden, maybe, maybe being involved, could be posturing. I don't know. Keith, what, what did we find out? Yeah, so reporting from Sham Sharani and Sam Amick from The Athletic, who have been really kind of all over mm-hmm. this story from all sorts of angles. A uh, lot of stuff in this piece, so I highly encourage folks to go read it themselves. But the big thing is that Daryl Morey may say, yeah, I'm good. It really may be saying I'm going to hang on uh, till till after the deadline. And the target he has in mind is James Harden. And uh, some of the thought process that goes into that is Harden has not done an extension with the mm-hmm. Nets. It seems pretty clear he's going to opt out. Uh, at that point, it would be some form of sign and trade, uh, you know, possibility where Harden signs and is traded to to philadelphia for simmons directly or as part of a three-team deal or something like that so it sounds like um if that's not the case then maybe they'll move on to uh bradley beal or damian lillard or what other package is out there but uh the main takeaway as far as it as today goes is they may not be doing a simmons trade uh you know daryl morey feels no pressure to get that done right now and if he feels the better deal will be there in the summer then let's do that deal in the summer and this seems to be coming from rival teams as well mm-hmm. uh some of the reporting is that it sounds like maybe they're 
a lot of times when that happens, it's we're not getting very far yeah. in conversations. There's not a lot of back and forth dialogue. So so we'll see. And then there's a few more uh, tidbits tucked in there that we can get into as well. So when we look at this situation with with Harden, with potentially going to the 76ers, what that might might look like, we can get into a lot of other, there's a lot of angles to approach this from. But can the 76ers really do this? Put themselves in that spot? Because if they execute a sign and trade for James Harden over the offseason, that also means, as we all know, triggers the hard cap. Is that something yeah. financially they can they can pull off and still fill out the roster? I, I mean, yes, because it would involve some other gymnastics. Mm-hmm. Now, Daryl Morey's pretty good at that stuff. He, he, you know, along with his staff, they'll they'll have to find homes for a couple other players. But but they're in a position where what you would end up with is probably a pretty top heavy roster and see what it looks like you know coming uh, on the back end right now as it stands today let me pull it up because i just finished working on um they'll be up uh, on uh, spot track uh, sooner rather than later with everything as it stands today and this is with simmons still on the roster because because he is if he's still on the roster next year at his number they're about 1.5 million or so um over the hard cap um so what that would mean is you would have to waive danny green uh clear him off he's fully non-guaranteed at 10 million trade simmons bring harden in at his new number which would be uh pushing the heck out of 50 million uh well it actually uh, it wouldn't be quite that much because he'd be changing teams so about 42 million uh for for harden but you're 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 in range mm-hmm. of being able to do that and then, then you're just gonna kind of fill out the roster the rest of the way with with minimums and other things and that and that's not you know, uncommon in that spot. And that would leave you with a Embiid, Harden, uh, Tobias Harris, Seth Curry kind of core group with a handful of others around them. So not bad, right? Oh, if that's sure. what you're working with, I think you're in a pr- pretty good place there. Um, but yeah, they, they, they can difficult for sure, but they can, they can get there. So what degree do you think this is posturing? Because they, they, the article does add the sure. little bit that, that, Unless somebody else significantly increases their offer, then maybe, then maybe the 76ers yeah. will consider it. I mean, how much of this is Daryl Morey putting out there? Hey, guys, look, we're, we really don't want to do it. No, I'd rather wait until Harden. Inle- okay, okay. Unless one of you really wants to talk me into <laughs> yeah. it, then maybe yep. we'll consider giving you Ben Simmons. I mean, that this type of thing goes around this time of year. This is what, what happens. How much of this do you think is accurate? They actually want to wait to the offseason versus this is posturing to try to get the best deal they can. Yeah, uh, a little bit of all of it, <laughs> right? <laughs> I guess is the easiest way to put that. I definitely think Maury's doing some posturing here as well of, uh, you know, hey, we'll just wait. You know, there's no reason for us to move. And then you get a team like the Kings, who clearly they've been at least somewhat down the path on these discussions mm-hmm. with to say, all right, you know, hey, we were holding back on this piece, but we'll add this in there. Uh, teams that were mentioned, um, you know, obviously Sacramento, Atlanta was mentioned, um, you know, there. And then the the Sixers asked the Kings for Tyrese Albert and multiple first round picks. Um, that would be the kind of highlight of the package there. Um, and then for the Hawks was John Collins and multiple first round picks. And they also want Tobias Harris um, moved in uh, one of those deals mm-hmm. as well. So that becomes a 
sticking point. We've talked at length already with that uh, new team added to the list that we hadn't really heard before, the Charlotte yeah. Hornets. Uh, getting involved there, and I wonder if that might be Miles Bridges, who's up for a new contract this summer, maybe P.J. Washington, and then they've got a couple guys you could add in to balance the salary and make it work, so that that could be interesting. Um, they also mentioned uh, Indiana um, had offered Demona Sabonis, Toronto offered Pascal Siakam, but Philly doesn't feel like that's where they want to be. Darren Fox was clearly mentioned mm-hmm. as well, so I think uh, you know this is this part of it is more of the same. It's still a lot more of, you know, hey, teams are offering things, but but we're not quite there with this. And then, you know, let, let's see, you know, where, where it goes. But yeah, to, to answer your uh, initial question, yeah, I mean, that's what this whole time is about right now. We start to get a little more serious yeah. uh, on Thursday. We're about two weeks out from the deadline. It starts closing. And that's when, when we're at that point, if you start seeing a guy sit out for personal reasons or right. just being held out of a game with you know general soreness or something my my eyebrows are raised because i really start to wonder huh is that guy really hurt or is this a you know prelude to a trade anything right now i think you can trust the players out for valid reasons but uh but, but we're getting into that range now for sure yeah we definitely are this is and this is an exciting time of the year there's a lot of things going on a lot of discussions taking place but i just wanted to mention that side you know the posturing side of it because oh, this is what happens this time of year you're going to see sometimes even conflicting reports depending on who the source is uh, we already had the Kings are willing to trade De'Aaron Fox. The Kings come back. Yep. No, we're not. We're not trading him. <laughs> you know, this this is what happens this time of year. And so you have to kind of read between the lines and try to figure out where's the information coming from, why, what's the purpose of it, that sort of thing. I still keep coming back to when I look at this whole situation. Are you really? I know Joel Embiid came out and said, we're good. We've got everything we need and all, all that. How much of that was a favor to Daryl Morey for his negotiating leverage? I don't know. But I still keep coming back to you've got Embiid having arguably an MVP season and you've got the East that's wide open. The entire league really is wide open. Are you really going to punt essentially on an opportunity to win the whole thing? Because I don't see them winning the whole thing unless they make a move here just so you can wait until the summer. So you can get a shot at, at Harden. I, I don't know. And there's, there's there's no guarantee they get Harden. They would have a chance maybe no. to get him. But for that unknown future this summer, are you really going to punt on some of these offers that are here? Because right now you've got $30 million sitting on your books going unused, and you could turn that into something that could potentially help you win an NBA championship. To me, that kind of lure is just, it's too strong to to ignore in my mind. And maybe that's what opposing teams are thinking too. And that's why we're getting this pushback from the 76ers here, from their side where they're saying, no, 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 we really will wait in order to try to get those offers up. But I just think when push comes to shove, the opportunity to potentially win a championship with the right move right now is too strong to pass up. Yeah, I- and I tend to agree with you more than disagree with you on that one. I think um, I've been there as well, especially because it's Joel Embiid with his lengthy yes. injury history. I do worry, you know, how many more great years like this are you going to get? Do you want to really get, give up one here? I think what's very interesting as we um, go through this is the reporting out of Philly, especially those who are closer to the team on a day-to-day basis, feel like, Embiid has papered over a lot of issues 
that this team mm-hmm. has and that they're maybe not quite as good as a record seems. Oh. And that's probably adding to Maury's reluctance to say, if I can't get the right guy, if I can't get a James Harden level guy now, is two pretty good players enough to lift us? Maybe not. Maybe he really does feel, you know, hey, we've been pretty fortunate to this point. And and if that's the case, then I really have no problem with waiting, right? Because if that's where you feel, you've got to kind of look at this from a standpoint of, yeah, you don't go all in because this is it. This is your last one, right? This is your last big uh, move Mm -hmm. around Embiid right now. You just don't have the trade chips otherwise. So this is your all-in move. If you don't feel like you can go all-in this year and get there, you hold off and wait, right? It's a kind of, right? A lot of this is relates back to almost like playing poker, right? You sure. don't go all in until you really feel like the opportunity is there to get value out of going all in. So I, I, I get it. I, I tend to think they're maybe a little bit better than, you know, some of the local people, but I find it hard to argue with the local people who watch them every mm-hmm. day. They're around the team every day. They, you know, they have a much better sense than, you know, they either you or I do uh, with this. But yeah, I mean, we're still here. One other uh, little tidbit in this reporting that I thought was really interesting was uh, there was a mention of Philly got close to acquiring Harden a year ago at yeah. the trade deadline. Well, I guess before a year before the trade deadline. Um, and it was Simmons, Matisse, Thibel, first round picks. It got close. And what they're reporting is Tillman Fertitta approached Harden and said, which one do you prefer, Brooklyn or Philly? Mm. And kind of left it up to him. And then it says there's a lot of couching after that. Of It's unclear if they would. Harden, it says Harden picked Brooklyn. Um, and the Rockets preferred the Nets package over the Philly package. And there's – Yo, questions of would he have moved forward if it was uh, the um, the the package that would have sent Harden to the um, to to the to the Sixers? Is that the way they would have gone? So, but I just thought that was interesting because that's the first time I think we've heard that uh, part part of this whole process. I'm still surprised that the Rockets would have preferred the Nets package over <laughs> over that 76ers package <laughs> based on based on yeah. the way things look. That that doesn't seem to make sense from my perspective. Although, but again, they they had their reasons at the moment. Sometimes things look a little bit different in, in hindsight. Um, but yeah, yeah, I do wonder if that if that could be a factor here at all, and certainly something to consider. We'll see where this goes. Obviously, we still have a little bit of time until the trade deadline, but. Um, Man, this is going to be an interesting negotiation. I think this may go all the way up until the wire in terms of whether or not this actually gets done, which means yeah. on the 10th, Keith, you, you and I, we who knows? Maybe it breaks while we're live that day. It could, uh, it could happen. Be amazing. That would be. That would be great. I would love it. All right, let's get into something that we don't love. Grayson Allen. I'm just going to leave it right there. Just something we don't love. Grayson Allen. <laughs> no. So he got, wow. he got, he got suspended. No, <laughs> I, I, fans are going to come for that's you. okay. I don't, I don't mind based on the, what the Milwaukee Bucks did on social media this weekend. Sure. Yeah. That was not, not a good look, not a good look at all. Now I will say I talked to someone who runs a team account. Mm-hmm. So, well, let's get into what yes. happened. So Grayson Allen flagrantly filed Alex Caruso on a play where Caruso was going up. Um, those who are supporting Grayson Allen in the box will say he got the ball. Absolutely did with his left hand. And then his right hand came swing and it was still a foul. Uh-huh. He did get the ball fouled Crusoe, but then his right arm came swinging through wiped Crusoe out. Crusoe went down. He was down for a while, got up, took two free throws with a fractured wrist, missed them both. 
And now he's out six to eight mm-hmm. weeks. He left the game immediately after he's out six to eight weeks. So I think the then, then the box the next morning, because they played a back-to-back, tweeted, you know, one of the every team does this, but some version of, hey, it's game day, wake up. And it was Grayson Allen eating a donut. Right. Now, I talked to a friend of mine who runs one of those accounts for another team in the league. No, it's not the box. And said that she was willing to bet that it was scheduled that that had been scheduled for probably a week generally they'll map out those kind of um more evergreen kind of things um you know a week in advance had it all scheduled and ready to go out and nobody bothered to check to make sure you know hey what's our tweet tomorrow morning um she said and i can guarantee you there is now a check on every tweet that is going out uh from the bucks account so that's you know that part is it was a bad look. The Bulls replied with seriously. Yeah, I saw that. Uh, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, you know, also sad, but funny. Um, but a lot of reporting. Mark Stein, I think, was one of the ones uh, predominantly on this. Woj was on it, too, that uh, Chicago and other teams are not happy mm-hmm. uh, because Grayson Allen got a one-game suspension, yes. and that's it. Uh, he was ejected from the game. We should be clear about that. Um, they gave him a flagrant two foul, which is an automatic ejection. Um, but then he's going to get a one game suspension, which will, uh, I think Wednesday is when that will happen. I think it's when they play next because they did play after, but he did not play in that game. He was injured and uh, unable to play. So, um, there's a lot of people who feel he should have been suspended longer. Yep. Uh, some took it as far as he should be out as long as um, that's, that's not the, I've seen that sentiment. Alex that, is out. That's, that's not how things work. You know, yeah, that's not a not a thing. I mean, that's just that was never going to happen that way. But yeah, I think it is. Uh, you know, I, I think it is. Um, I, in this one game, I mean, it kind of the precedent was set with Jokic got a game for shoving Markeith mm-hmm. Morris. Um yeah, I, and I get it. The whole balance history should be taken in. A lot of that history, unfortunately, if you're not a fan, didn't happen in yeah, it was in college. It was a dude. so that's you know hard to factor that in too much as well. So, but yeah, there there we are. It's uh you know he's suspended for a game. And here's the thing: I think that that look, Grayson Allen as a player, I think he's better than people give him credit for. I think that oh, that 100%. there's a there, what happens is people remember him from his college days. People think, oh, I don't like that guy because he did this, that, or the other. Yeah. And then they let that leak into their perception of him as a player. And I think as a player, he's yep. been a positive for the Bucks this season. He certainly oh, helped yeah, them out. I come back to, obviously, the tweet wasn't, I didn't think that was a good look for the Bucks, And maybe it mm-hmm. was scheduled in advance. Maybe it was. Um, and that's certainly possible. But then to issue the statement, after the suspension, when the general sentiment around the NBA was that he should have been suspended for longer, The audacity to come out here and issue a statement complaining that he was suspended for a game, that's beyond belief. Yeah, that part is not cool. And and I I'm big on have your players back, Mm -hmm. support them, you know, and all this stuff. But this was one, just let it go. There was no reason to say anything. And if if you felt the need to just say, we'll accept the NBA's punishment. Yes, exactly. We hope we can move past this. Also, what what harm is there in adding something in there of we hope Alex Caruso, you know, recovers, you know, as quickly mm-hmm. into the best of his ability as possible or some something like that. And it'll be, you know, it's not gonna be received well. It's to some extent, I think, a throwaway line. But yeah, I mean, and to your point of him being a good player, Grayson Allen's averaging eleven point eight points per game this year, uh 39% from three. It's his third straight year where he's been 40 
39, 39 uh-huh. is a three point shooter. He's really turned himself into a good rotation player. And beyond that, he doesn't need to be doing this crap. Just play. Like he's too good for this stuff. He's not a, uh, you know, one of these guys who's only hanging in the league because he's an irritant yeah. and he's a tough guy and, you know, all these other things that you hear. Like he can actually play. And that's, that's, I think, for me, what becomes a real disappointing part is like it overshadows that you can play because you continually act like a jerk and do stupid, dangerous stuff that's, you know, I was going to say gonna get somebody hurt, but it did get somebody hurt. So, Let's go to the Bulls. Let's side. do it. Let's get more optimistic, man. Yeah. Well, let's Caruso out six to eight oh. weeks. That sucks. Lonzo Ball's yes. out six okay. to eight weeks. Before we that get sucks. optimistic. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. Uh, you know, they're, so they're, they're down those two guys uh, for sure. But on the optimistic side, it sounds like Zach Levine's going to be back this week. And we're recording this on Monday, mm-hmm. maybe even as early as today. Uh, Zach Levine may play. Um, they they hadn't ruled him out yet uh, for today's game. Uh, it's a back to back, so they don't have to issue the early injury report. That'll come out sometime uh, on Monday late afternoon. Uh, but yeah, it sounds like Zach Levine is close, and that's huge for for the Bulls because they are really struggling right now. They they have uh, you know started to slip in the standings. Some uh, let me let me make sure I'm correct on this. Yeah, they're three and seven in their last ten. Um, I want to say they're like 11 and 11 losses in 14 games or something along those lines. Um, they're 28 and 17. They're down behind the, the Heat and the Nets, uh, tied with the Bucks. Um, you know, in terms of games back. So yeah, so have started started to really slip. Uh, got drilled by the Orlando Magic uh, in their last game. So yeah, so they need Zach Levine back in a big way. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Yeah, and this is something that obviously it's positive that Zach Levine may be back tonight. So we'd love to see that. But yeah, the Bulls are sliding right now. And a lot of this is due to injuries and things of that nature. So hopefully Zach Levine can get back and help stabilize them a little bit because this team has been a very, very fun team. They've been uh, a pleasant surprise in the Eastern Conference this season. But of course, we talked about this the other day. As frustrating as it can be to watch the team slide, and I'm sure Bulls fans right now are are going, oh my gosh, we dropped a third. The most important thing is that this team gets healthy. Whether whether they finish in the third seed, the fourth seed, the one seed, whatever, they've got to do what they need to do in order to be healthy. Because we've already seen, we've already seen, we know this can be potentially the top team in the conference. The top team in the conference. From there, they've proven that. From there, it's about making sure that injuries don't derail things 
come playoff time. So if I'm the Bulls, I've, and again, I already said this last show, but I am erring on the side of caution here with any of these players who are injured. Great news that Zach Levine is on his way back, but if he is even a little bit iffy, I'm going to wait until next game to bring him back. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they, they, yeah. You, there's no reason. And reality is even down this many guys, they should hopefully have enough to beat the Thunder. You know, we'll, we'll see well, what that looks like. But, uh, but yeah, uh, where, where are we going next? Next Please. up, we do need to go to, oh, man, Lowry Markkinen. Uh, <laughs> uh, I forgot. Sorry. I knew we had something another else injury. negative that was coming up here. And <laughs> sure enough, another injury, Lowry, Lowry Markkinen. Uh, that ankle sprain was not was not pleasant to watch. And um, it, he's out. We don't have a timetable as of this point. But this is a tough blow for the Cavs team that, like the Bulls, has already dealt with a number of injuries this season. Of course, losing Colin Sexton for the, the season. A big part of their success, too, has been kind of bucking the trend and going big with Markkinen as essentially yeah. their three. And now he's going to be out for a while, I'd have to imagine. Yeah, they, they said uh, post-game J.B. Bickerstaff, their head coach, said it looked like a high ankle sprain. Mm -hmm. Uh, to him, which is, is, if you saw it, that's actually good news because it looked way yeah. worse uh, when it happened. He had to be basically almost carried off the court uh, by, by Jetty Osmond and Dean Wade, uh, two of their backups. And that's a spot, again, that wing spot, even though Markinen's kind of like a super jumbo wing. They just don't have a lot of depth. It's it's basically Isaac Okoro, who's back and starting, uh, Jetty Osmond, and Lamar Stevens. And that's kind of it. Dylan Windler will play on occasion. When they were down guys earlier this year, Dean Wade um, started games. It won't, it's probably not going to be Kevin Love. They like him in that bench role. They, they like him kind of rotating with Allen and Mobley in their three big yeah. rotation. So don't be surprised if Dean Wade slides back in there. Uh, big guy kind of can fill the market in role ish uh, and do a lot of the same sets and run a lot of the same actions that they run with, with marketing uh, versus them going to somebody else. But, uh, you know, maybe push them a little closer to pushing to get get a, a more traditional wing in there. Um, at least to, to help out until marketing is back and then give them a little bit of uh, two, three depth. But but yeah, the Cavs are just. Like they have been for a while, they're just going to have to keep getting through it as best they can. And high ankle sprain, um, it's a type of injury. It's it's interesting in that once you're back, you're not really back. It's the kind of injury yep. that robs you a lot of, of a lot of your burst and your athleticism. We see it in running backs in the NFL all the time where they get a high ankle sprain, they come back, and then it's another four-ish weeks, sometimes a little more, before they really yeah. look like themselves in terms of burst. And so for marketing, maybe he gets back on the court, however long it is, he gets back on the court, and then it's going to take a little while for him to truly get back to being himself. So that's going to be another hurdle for the Cavs to navigate. Now it's possible, given his size and everything, that he can shoot over guys and mitigate some of that, but it's still something to, to keep an eye on moving forward here for the Cavs. Even once he gets back, I don't know if I'm going to look at this Cavs team as truly 100% because I don't think he will be, if it is a high ankle sprain, 100% even after he gets back on the floor. It's going to take a while to truly get the burst back, the the jump back, all of that. Yeah, as far as any kind of timeline, all the Cavs have said is he's out for yeah. tonight's game, Monday night against the New York Knicks. So we'll, we'll see from there. All right. Let's jump into the Western Conference. And Keith, where what better place to start? Then with the Portland Trailblazers and Damian Lillard could be a pretty big update here for the Blazers and Lillard. Remember their first round yeah. pick 
lottery protected this year and sounds like meh, Damian Lillard coming back this season is seriously in doubt. Yeah, Damian Lillard gave his first interview since his surgery. A couple things out of that. He said this has been bothering him since the preseason started or training camp, really, even before the preseason in 2015-16. Um, that's how long this injury has been Talk about lingering uh, with him. He, yeah, he said it, he felt it for the first time. Uh, he's felt it on and off ever since then. And he said what really convinced him that it was probably going to eventually have to be treated surgically was spending time with Drew Holiday, who had the same abdominal injury, um, told him, you're going to have to eventually have surgery. And he said, uh, Drew Holiday said, you're feeling this, you're feeling this. It started like this, mm. then it went to this and this and this. And he's like, he hit every single you know, milepost along the way. And he said that really convinced him uh, when they were together over the Olympics uh, this past summer. That convinced him at some point he was going to have to have surgery. Now, the next part was, he says he's feeling great says he you know immediately felt better uh which is huge mm -hmm. and that's awesome uh and he said it's going to take his time and that was where then it got kind of interesting for the blazers and the rest of this year because lillard said i'm going to take my time and make sure i get it right that's not overly interesting sure. he should right he's their franchise player but then he added and if it looks like we're playing for a draft pick I'm not going to come back mm. um, was basically his quote. He said, that's not what I do. If we're trying to win, you know, I'll get back. But if we're playing for a draft pick, it just doesn't make sense. And some people kind of took to making fun of him and saying, you know, oh, yeah, Mr. I don't run from the grind is running from the grind and all this other stuff. But the reality is, why would he? Yeah push himself to get back for a team that isn't playing for a draft pick. Now, what could scuttle those plans? I know that the teams behind them, in the, the uh, I was about to call it the Western Conference play-in race, but we'll call it the Western Conference play-in pillow fight. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know that they're doing all that they can to really catch no. them and run them down from behind. The Blazers are 20 and 26 in the 10th seed. And the Pelicans are two and a half games behind them. Then you go to the Kings, three, the Spurs, three and a half. And then the Thunder and Rockets are now, they're, they're done. They're six games and yeah. seven and six and a half games out. Um, yeah, I don't know that the those other teams are really doing all they can to run Portland down from behind and, and catch them. So chase Portland down would have to really, yeah, exactly. Would really have to pivot here to, to you know, fall out that much and let, let a team catch them from behind so here when i'm looking at, at this situation because you're absolutely right i mean we we talk about like if we go if we go nfl you hear about running backs that aren't that aren't that good could this guy fall into the end zone is the phrase that that you hear all the time sure. as though like he almost does it accidentally could a team fall into the play-in tournament the pelicans <laughs> the yeah. pelicans are two and a half games back behind the the blazers the the kings are three games back it just seems you've got three and a half for the the spurs it just seems unlikely that these teams are going to make up that much yeah. ground to where if you're damian lillard and you finally get to the point where okay physically you can come back if you're still sitting in the 10 seed which right now does feel likely what do you consider that is that you're in the play-in tournament. Yes, you're making up. Is that making a push, or is that playing for a draft pick? What What do you do with it if you're sitting in the ten seed and you're Damian Lillard? Yeah, I think. But let's let's game this out. Let's say it's the middle uh -huh. of March. There's a month to go in the season, and he's you know close to ready to return. <clears throat> then I think you look at it and say, all right, you know, hey, if I can get there, 
maybe we can make enough noise and we we can you know win a couple games in this play mm-hmm. tournament and and go i mean they're they're two games behind the clippers two and a half behind the lakers three behind the wolves so starting to get towards where you're probably going to be 10th um Maybe that is the way you look at it and say, hey, we're still here and go. A lot will probably be guided by what do the Blazers do at the trade deadline, yeah. right? Because if they start trading away rotation guys for young guys, I don't know that Lillard's going to be thrilled to come back and, hey, let's play you know, in the play and just to you know get our heads knocked in and eliminated there. Um, hey, it's funny, as I look at the standings, if it was like the Pelicans and if it was like, Zion's coming back in a sure. couple weeks. And then I would feel like all right, the Pelicans, they're going to get that momentum. They're going to chase them down. They're going to get that spot. If the Kings, if we felt confident, they're not selling off, they're going to push, they'll catch them. Um, but we don't know what either one of those teams is going to do. The deadline doesn't sound like Zion will be back anytime soon. So, yeah, I mean, if I'm Portland and Damian Lillard, I'm just basically going to say, let's let this play out and address it when it's time when you're actually ready to go. There's no reason to, you know, have this conversation today. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's something where it will keep an eye on it, but how the Blazers act at the trade deadline and I mean coming up February 10th, that could very well have an impact, have a major impact on whether or not we see Damian Lillard again this season. Speaking of which, we might as well get into it. The Utah Jazz, reportedly a team that might be interested in getting Robert Covington, uh, one of yeah. several guys from the Blazers that are that are known to be out there on the market. Yep. Uh, he's essentially just just shy of a $13 million expiring contract. What are your thoughts about that? The Utah Jazz potentially has a landing spot for Covington, what he can bring for them, what would the Jazz have to give up? Where do we go with that? Yeah, this came from Mark Stein of Substack. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark uh, said the Jeremy Grant is Utah's first target, uh, but that the Pistons don't have any interest that involves Joe Ingles in a, in a future first-round pick. Uh, Utah's in a little bit of a tricky spot with trading picks because they already owe uh, you know, picks out um, from other deals. Uh, let me make sure I'm getting pulled up here. They owe a pick to Memphis. Sounds like that pick will go to Memphis mm-hmm. uh, this year. Uh, it has one to six protection, so... Utah has slid there. They have not slid quite that much. Um, but then they owe a pick to OKC uh, two years after. So it'll probably be in 2024 with some protections on it. So first unencumbered pick they could trade is really 2027 likely. Um, maybe 2026. We'll see where that goes. So, uh, yeah, so that becomes a little harder. Now, Covington doesn't have the same value as Jeremy mm-hmm. Grant. Obviously, right, he's not the same uh, level of player. So, my guess is if they were really like, hey, we want to move on from from Ingles, that becomes almost a swap of uh, expiring salaries. And maybe that's one where, hey, we'll add two seconds sure. or something. And that might be enough, right, to to, to go get Covington. Because if you're Portland, you're really kind of clearing out the challenge of do we resign Covington or not. Portland could probably work a buyout with Joe Ingles at that point and free him up to go join and finish out the year uh, with a contender. Uh, so, you know, that's that's probably where, where that's looking. But my guess is if Portland full-on puts Covington on the market, they'll have a little bit more of a, a a bidding war than just you know an expiring contract and a you know draft pick or two that aren't going to be that great. and really like when you look at Covington's stat sheet it 
it's underwhelming. 7.7 points per game, shooting 40% from the field if we round up, mm-hmm. 36% from three, uh, five boards. But he does get... Basically only takes three. Yeah, he pretty much point. only takes threes. He's 31 years old, 1.4 steals, 1.3 blocks. But what you're looking for is what a lot of NBA teams are looking for, and that's versatility on the wing. He's a guy who can swing between yeah. the four and the five position that can be pretty switchy defensively. That's what you're trying to get. And for the Utah Jazz, for a team that, despite having Rudy Gobert, has had some defensive concerns, they rely on Rudy a lot to clean up a lot of things for them. I could see where making that kind of a swap, Ingles for Covington, and maybe you had some stuff, could help them because that is exactly what Covington brings, is that that defensive presence. Yeah, and if your hope is, hey, we've got enough ball movement anyway that will make it work because that's really Ingles' value right mm-hmm. now. He's one of the better ball movers in yeah. the league. Um, that 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 would be your hope, right, is where we can make the, the this work. There's a lot of buzz around the Jazz right right now. I mean, it just came out uh, right now, just, just now. Uh, Rudy Gobert is going to be out for tonight with a calf strain. Um, he, he had commented on that at the end of uh, – their game yesterday that he felt that for the first time. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is out, um, and they they are sitting right now in fourth. Uh, the Grizzlies have a game lead on them. Uh, Dallas is coming up really strong behind mm-hmm. the Jazz. Jazz are three and seven in their last ten. Dallas is eight and two. Uh, the Denver Nuggets they they're starting to now Six create a four. little bit of separation. Um, you know, yeah, starting to play a little bit better uh, there. So let, let's see. You know what, what happens with the Jazz, but we're hearing a lot of buzz out of Utah, a lot more than you would normally hear around a team that I think folks thought might be a title contender uh, coming in just because of uh, you know the way their poor play uh, this year and how much they've slept. Yeah, it might be some urgency to make a move there. Um, yeah. Some good news. Looks like Anthony Davis is on the verge of returning. Was actually pushed to being questionable for last night's yeah. game uh, against the Miami Heat. Was questionable the day before. It's the first time he's been questionable since suffering his injury MCL sprain in the middle of December. Uh, did not play against the Miami Heat. The Lakers ultimately said that they knew he was unlikely to play in that particular game, but that uh, that he is getting closer. We did see him playing in some, some two-on-two work before the game, so wouldn't be a surprise if the Lakers have him in their next game, which is coming up against the Brooklyn Nets, and if not, then it's going to be sometime soon. I think that's the, the key takeaway here. Anthony Davis just about ready to make his return. Yeah, and I mean, I know I don't need to tell you. or They need him. Lakers fans who watch this, they they yep. need him and need him uh, pre- pretty badly. We're getting down to what? Would they have one game left on this road trip? No, is they've, it, got, they've got. I think four. Is it? Oh, this, this was is the six game trip. The, the, was this supposed to be the Grammys? Yes. Trip? Yep. Yes. That's so they right. have, okay. So that would make sense. They have four yeah. left. Yeah. So they've got the Nets. The, the this we uh, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah. So de- definitely some some uh, you know need for him there. But by, as an aside, this Thursday there's only two games. Hmm. Uh, this Thursday, just as the, the league is kind of, they, they try to get almost everybody on Martin Luther King yeah. Day. And then when you do that, it takes a little bit to reset. But yeah, this Thursday, only two games Lakers, 76ers, Timberwolves, Warriors. That, that's it. A hmm. two, two game Thursday night um, coming up this week. But yeah, it's the they, Lakers need him badly. Um, you know, it's, uh, I, I thought it was interesting. LeBron. His comments of you know I'm I'm in the best zone yes. I've been in maybe in my career I think was how he put that and and I think there's definitely some truth in there I mean he is playing you know unbelievable yeah. it's not you know and, and it's funny because people are like well he's not shooting that great or scoring you know crazy amounts he scored and he was very clear he's like it's not just about the points it's you know about the way he's playing overall but 
Yeah, um, sticking with your Lakers, um, not really news. They've offered the Talon Horton Tucker and Kendrick Nunn in a pick package basically everywhere. Yep. Um, they're not getting anywhere with that. Um, that, that was offered for Jeremy Grant. Uh, that was reported out there and not enough to move the needle for uh, the Pistons. Um, but what I what I found kind of interesting is um, they're, where the Lakers are struggling a little bit is in their availability to be able to trade picks. We know they owe a pick this year to either New Orleans or Memphis. Mm-hmm. Uh, next year is New Orleans has swap rights on their pick. So that's, they could trade it, but that's a complicating factor. Sure. Um, but they can't really trade that one because then in 2024 or 2025, New Orleans can own the Lakers mm-hmm. pick. And because of the step in rule, you can't trade back to back first round picks. So what's going to happen here is they are limited to the earliest pick that they can offer up is they can put language of, 2026 if new orleans takes the 2024 sure. um, but new orleans could clearly screw that all up and say no we'll wait to 2025 um, or 2027 or 2028 what i'm starting to wonder is if you're the lakers do you call call um david griffin and say hey we give you an extra second rounder just for basically for nothing give us draft right swap or whatever sure. coming back our way or minimum amount of cash um we give you a second rounder would you say we'll take the pick in 2024 just eliminate that deferment option because then what that does is that off that frees the lakers up to trade 2026 mm-hmm. and 2028 right. right now today so that's just something to keep an eye on that if it really comes down to it and they're really struggling because the reality is we know now the horton tucker nun package it's just not getting you much value it just just isn't and if you one first round pick with it yeah maybe maybe as we get closer to the deadline and some teams like yeah i got nothing else but you're talking terrence ross gary harris type yeah. players you're not that's getting not a you're super impactful player for that and then exactly at that point if you're like you might as well just right it. just you know, not right. that those are bad so, players by any means but no but just yeah they're not that's not the right package there so just something to throw out there to keep keep Yo, and also mentioned by uh, Kelly Eco of The Athletic, uh, the Rockets don't value Taylor Horton Tucker as much on his current contract as they would have last year on his rookie deal <laughs> now that he's making $10 million per season. So if that's the case, too, and if that's if that's not just a Houston Rockets thing, and we'll get, we're going to get into the Rockets and the Lakers in just a second here, but if that is the belief that's held by other teams around the NBA as well, that maybe they don't want to give Taylor Horton Tucker $10 million. He's got $10 million roughly next year and then a player option for a third year. If they see that as a negative value contract, that's only going to make things more difficult. Now, he's obviously yeah. a very polarizing yeah. player. It's going to be an eye of the beholder situation, but that can complicate things even further for the Lakers as they try to make a move. Um, as far as the, the draft pick protection and all that kind of stuff, that was done on purpose. The Pelicans set that up specifically to try to stop the Lakers from improving in the future because they've got yep. an incentive in the Lakers being bad. They want the Lakers to be bad so they can get better picks. So that's what uh, what we're seeing play out here for the Lakers. will be interesting to see if they can make a move or not. One of the rumors yeah. that's been out there, and that's from Mark <laughs> Stein, uh, and now it's been, been backed up by Kelly Eco of The Athletic, is this idea of a Russell Westbrook for John Wall swap. Now, Mark Stein and now The Athletic have both confirmed that the Rockets would want the 2027 first 
if they're going to do this or potentially maybe get a third team involved if a third team wanted THT they could ship that there for something the Rockets want the bottom line is the Rockets would want Russell Westbrook plus plus stuff in order to do yeah. that deal which is kind of ironic because it wasn't that long ago that the Wizards gave up John Wall <laughs> plus a pick in order to get Russell Westbrook. So now it's going back the other direction. But um, in any event, that's where things are looking. I know Lakers fans have been, been contemplating, would you swap Westbrook for Wall and all of that? Well, the Rockets, for them, it's the same. You're either paying John Wall the same amount of money you would Russell Westbrook. You're paying them just to sit at home. Neither player is actually going to play for the team. So they want some sort of incentive to actually do a deal like that. And word become slightly different is uh mark stein who was all over this reporting last mm -hmm. week has said um you know the rockets don't have any interest in westbrook ever yes, playing for right. them again and they believe unlike with john wall who's not willing to entertain bio talks that westbrook would jump right into bio talks and would be willing to you know uh talk about that and see see where that goes and that's where um that could also be a difference of right you know hey we're gonna get off some future money as mm -hmm. well here in this now you're still talking a whole lot of yeah. money uh that you got to work out by you know this this takes uh this makes the blake griffin bio talks look like child's play because we're talking about significantly more mm -hmm. money almost 30 million more dollars uh owed there but you know, there's there's some precedent of guys, you know, giving up a, a bow load there. And you may, I mean, Westbrook's a different dude. I mean, different kind of guy. Mm -hmm. He might say, you know, hey, I really want to go play somewhere. I continue to believe we will be uh, two and a half weeks from now on February 11th. And Russell Westbrook will be a member of the Los Angeles Indeed. Lakers. That's how it'll be through the rest of the season. And let's see where it goes in the summer. I agree, too. If you're if you're the Lakers, if you're, say you're Rob Palenka. And you're approaching this situation. You say, well, Westbrook hasn't worked out the way we wanted. But if we sell him now to the Rockets and we have to give up a first round pick to do this, right? That you're admitting that you were wrong to make the deal pu very publicly, right? To get Russell Westbrook. And then you're having to pay more to get rid of that. That's just locking in the fact that it was not a success and, and completely ruling out any possibility of things working out with Russ in the second half of the season when he has a history of performing better in the second half of the season than the first. So, and I'm not yep. saying that's definitely going to happen, but you're guaranteeing sure. that you have lost that trade badly if you make that move right now. So just from a, a perception uh, standpoint, it would be, I would think it would be tough for the Lakers to pull the trigger on something like that. Now, if it's like Russ and a second for John Wall, you can, okay, maybe you can make an argument there, but to give up a 2027 first, that far, it's dangerous trading first that far in the future. Mm -hmm. it, it would be, I would be surprised if the Lakers front office went that way. Yeah, it, it, that's more of a, hey, we have a chance this summer to really fully reset mm -hmm. and, you know, build this thing out for the next three, four years with, you know, better fitting and younger players. That's different than just, hey, I need to get off this contract sure. right now. Because the reality is we haven't seen John Wall play. Yeah, that's right. We don't know, you know, we don't know that he's going to come in and help you much at all on the Is court. he better so, than Russell Westbrook? You know, that's a, yeah, we, we don't, don't know. know. Right? We have that's no idea. Yeah. yeah, sometimes what you know is better than what you yeah. know. All right, uh, Eric Gordon, this was also a report that was out there, has received interest from uh, teams around the NBA, but the Rockets were characterized mm -hmm. as a team that's not been all that active. The, the report was that they've been getting more calls coming in 
that they've been making going out because they are in a kind of a different phase right now. They're focusing on developing their young players, but multiple teams have been interested in Eric Gordon. So far, they have all been declined, and the Rockets are okay with keeping him through the deadline. We talked about this on the previous episode with Daryl Morey, though. How much of this is posturing? Uh, how much of this is just trying to drive the price up as much as they can? We'll see what happens there. I think he's a very movable piece for the Houston Rockets. Will they get exactly what they want for him? I'm not sure, but I don't know how much I buy. Oh, you know, we don't really want to trade him. I think that's more just, you know, leverage here. Yeah, that's it. I think this is just another, you know, thing that, again, we're still more than two weeks out mm-hmm. from the trade deadline. Uh, this is just more of the, yeah, you know, well, we're happy to keep yeah. him. Yeah, let's see where that goes. Now, another player on the Rockets, yes, this is turning into Rockets hour here, <laughs> um, is Christian Wood. It sounds like they are really getting a lot of questions about Christian mm-hmm. Wood. And uh, they're really looking at, you know, hey, what does it look like to uh, you know, trade Christian Wood? So I think that is um, you know, definitely something we're going to uh, you know, continue to monitor here. Well, you know, there's, he fits a whole bunch of teams because he can. he's really a five, but he can play the four if you need him to with the right five next to him. And I uh, can do a lot of different things. So let's see, you know, if that that one uh, materializes into anything. Do you see the Rockets making a move, or do you think? Do you buy into this report that they're they're good, just standing pat? No, they'll do something, but I don't think it's gonna be anything big. I think it'll be a DJ Augustine kind of move, maybe Daniel Tice, uh, two veterans who aren't in their rotation and part of things. So yeah, I think uh, you know for sure we could see yeah. that. All right. Um, anything else that we need to touch upon before we before we call it a, a show here? I'm looking to see if we had any mm-hmm. any Woj or Shams or nope. Stein or any of those nope. kind of bombs coming Nothing. off. I, I just did the same check and I think we're good. Okay. All right. Well, the trade deadline, it's coming up quick, which means there's going to be a lot of news coming out over the next few weeks. Again, make sure you stay in the know. Subscribe right here to the NBA Front Office YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. We're going to be breaking down everything for you, getting you through what is a very fun, very fast-paced, very exciting time in the season. Can be a little bit crazy, too, with the amount of information that's out there. So, again, make sure you subscribe and, and turn on those notifications. Not on our normal recording mm-hmm. schedule we will do us do an additional show yep. to, to get into it's it, it won't be if it's the uh wancho hernan gomez salary dump extraordinaire trade <laughs> um we'll do that that will wait till our next scheduled show if there's um, a simmon siren yeah if there's a simmon siren or a uh you know anybody who might make a huge difference in the playoffs trade we, we will jump on to it and by the way guys i do want to mention we've been getting a lot of new subscribers lately and we are on the cusp of hitting fifteen thousand. so we yes. truly appreciate it yeah help us out get us over the top there for fifteen thousand. and make sure you do subscribe all right till next time everybody stay safe and see ya <laughs>